the blast from our past network. Supernatural, Halloween, exploitation, slashers, and everything in between. Welcome to the Podcasting After Dark Watch List, the show where a guest chooses a topic and the hosts, along with the guest, discuss their top five favorites. Light a candle, hide your Ouija board, and enjoy the Podcasting After Dark Watch List. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Podcasting After Dark Watchlist. I am one half of the Podcasting After Dark team, Corey, a.k.a. Sleazy C. And this week for the Watchlist, I have in the guest spot right here, it is a returning guest, my buddy, my brother from another mother, John Spees. What's up, my man? I'm back, bitches. <laughs> yeah, baby, yeah. Dude, you can't keep think- me away. I think we did our last uh, watch list almost a year ago. It might have been if, maybe a month or something, but pretty much a year ago. I think uh, in in uh, in regular time it was a year ago, but at this point it feels like <laughs> five years ago. It feels like goddamn hundred years ago, man. Yeah. Well, longest yet shortest year ever was twenty twenty. So yeah. <laughs> um. So. Real quick, before I, I, I talk about how much I freaking love John and everything him and Adam do over the Blast From Our Past podcast, as well as Throwback Trivia Takedown, I wanted to really quick put out what's going on here. So, for a solid year, your old pal Corey has been having a great fucking time doing other people's watch lists. And that's fine. That's how I set it up. I always ask the the guest to come on and they pick the 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 list, whatever it is we're doing. The idea there is that, you know, it allows the guest to be the most, you know, have something that they're very excited about. And while I've enjoyed every single one, I haven't had it really had a chance to do the watch list that I want to do. And so I decided this year I'm going to circle back around to my buddies and the BFOP network, starting with John. And I am going to A, pick the, the, the list that we're doing, but also try and pick the person best suited for that list as well. So this list that we're doing, and I'll announce it because I picked it, we are doing our top five favorite sci-fi guns. Yeah, and I, uh, I I think this was a perfect list for for you and I. We're both fans of not only just sci-fi, but the equipment in sci-fi. Yes. you know the cool looking shit that they use in these movies. Um, and I know you're you're a self-proclaimed armor file, mm-hmm. and I guess I would be a self-proclaimed weapon file. <laughs> I, I I'm not sure what the uh, the weapon or gun version. It's more more and more more towards the guns, which I think is why we're doing yeah physically guns for this one. But like I like looking at the weapons. Like oh that's so cool. How did they make that? You know whatever. I mean that's not to, that's not to say I sleep on the armor. Yeah, armor yeah, no. looks cool too. <laughs> and I think this this clicked for me when you were talking, or when we were talking about aliens. And yeah. you know, you just knew so much about the uh, the heavy machine gun and everything. So I was like, you know what? Yeah, John's the perfect one for this. And that's actually, I think, when I got the idea for doing this these watch lists when we did the aliens episode on the Blast from Our Past podcast. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited. But before we jump in. 
I do want to take a moment and and just I've said it before. I've I've said it to to Adam on Cartwright a Seinfeld podcast. I I think I've said it to your face at some point, but I do want to say for the record that John is one of only two music teachers that I've ever had <laughs> in my entire life, and uh, specifically. The album review episodes that you and Adam do on the Blast from Our Past podcast. Now, normal episodes are you guys break down and review a movie, a TV show, and then you recast one of the two things or something like that. But yeah. you guys have been doing album reviews. And John, your musical background is is which we'll get into in a second, is fantastic. But dude, I love everything I learn. I actually learn. It's literally the only podcast I <laughs> learn something on. It's fantastic. And for the guys and gals out there, just real quick, I want to throw out some of my actual favorite episodes. Um, I did love the newest one, the Our Lady Peace one, Spiritual mm -hmm. Machines, but I kind of don't know them that well, so sometimes That's that fair. helps. Um, my three favorites are episode 161, Peter Gabriel's So Album. Oh, who that was, was such a good one. Who was the guest on that one again, please? Uh, so that her name is Lauren Tagli. Oh God, Tagliaferro. That's it. Uh, she is from uh, the podcast Misinformation. M I S S Space Information. Um, they're kind of like a pseudo trivia book report type. It, they're so interesting. They do like this little report at the front end of their podcast, and then you do like a little trivia game at the end. Cool. Um, but they're all actually was I was literally just listening to them on the drive home on my way to, to come do this. <laughs> um, and they pick like some of the most interesting topics and they're really engaging and fun and they're really cool to listen to because you feel like you've learned something while being entertained at the same time. So like I plug do, out for them. Like I do with your uh, album review episodes. <laughs> yeah. And in fact, actually, with the Peter Gabriel one, uh, they did an episode on Peter Gabriel. Uh, on his whole career, and that's I reached out to them immediately after I listened to that and said, "Hey, uh, would you like to come on and talk specifically this album?" And I don't think we could have put together a better episode. No, it was it's one of not not only one of my favorite album reviews. It's one of my favorite episodes of Blast from Our Past. It was mm -hmm. absolutely fantastic. The discussions that you and her had were amazing and i have to agree with you dude the live album i had that live album and it mm -hmm. is fantastic and it got stolen out of a, out of my car one time like back in the you know, early 2000s or whatever oh, i never got to replace it but that album was fantastic so um and then just real quick the other two episodes that i freaking loved was episode 112 paul simon graceland uh, mm -hmm. while paul simon is not my favorite like uh musician mm -hmm. you can call me al is one of literally <laughs> my top five favorite songs of all time it's it's always weird when like when your top fives are like not a musician that you actually normally like but i love that song <laughs> and your album review made me love the you know love them even more but yeah i gotta throw a big shout out to my favorite band of all time you guys reviewed reviewed tools anima on episode 124 and man dude it, you know what I hadn't listened to that album in a while. After I got done listening to your all's review, I just went right over to Spotify and just listened to it from the beginning. And I listened to it and with like a new set of eyes. So thank you so much, buddy. I just really wanted to take a second and tell everybody about all that shit that I fucking love. I appreciate it. I mean, I, I think our album reviews probably get the least amount of listens, and that's fair. You know, our movie ones are really big deep dives into movies and, and the recastings at the ends really have been sort of like the highlights for a lot of people. 
Um, and our top tens can be really, really fun depending on what the subject is. And our out, al- but our album reviews, I think, have been um, some of the most nostalgic for Adam and I because we really are, you know, we're going back and re-listening to these albums. In some cases, pro- some cases that we hadn't listened to since maybe the late '90s um, or a little bit later. And each time, it's such a fun return to our childhood and I, that's part of the reason why I wanted to do it because listening to albums was such a big part of us uh, you know our, our family sort of dynamic growing up that I wanted to include it and I'm actually really proud of how those episodes have turned out and you should be because they're fantastic bro and you have a musical background as well yeah, I studied music uh, at the University of Georgia. I have a degree in percussion performance from there. Um, I also have a teaching certificate that I got from UNLV to teach music. I taught uh, high school music for four years and elementary music for four years. And I am currently not teaching, but I am taking classes in recording engineering. So um, <laughs> I, I would push back that you are actually still teaching, buddy. You're teaching on the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> well, I'm not. I'm just not getting paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, yeah. So, guys and gals, I know you all know, but, you know, please go out and check out Blast From Our Past. It's a great show. It's one that uh, I've been listening to since almost since the very beginning, Um Podcasting After Dark wouldn't exist without it. It was incepted as being the dark shadow of the blast from our past while you guys, you know, we've been talking about the album reviews, but you guys do mostly, your bread and butter is movies and TV and stuff mm-hmm. with a nostalgic spin. Um, and But your stuff is a little bit more mainstream than Podcasting After Dark. So yeah. If you're listening to Podcasting After Dark, you should also be listening to The Blast From Our Past at the same time, because then you get a full encompassed picture. And it's kind of cool, because we're all kind of different ages, so we kind of look at things. uh, You and I are closer in age than Adam and I are, and uh, so we look at things sort of from a different lens, and it is funny sometimes when you cue in on something. I'll tend to more cue in on the same thing you do, because of our age uh, similarities, and then sometimes Adam, I'm like, yeah, that's I was in high school when that shit was going on. (laughs) I wasn't watching that cartoon you know what I mean? And if you like action movies, you should check out the newest podcast on the Beatpop right. Network, Action that's, Action. That's right, Action Action. So we're we're growing, we're having a good time, uh, and yeah, dude, this is this is uh, this is not a, a musical podcast, but we are going to be talking <laughs> about sci-fi guns. So, pew, pew. my man, um, this is this is interesting because this is the first time we've actually talked about equipment. But I assume it'll lend us to talk about movie the movie that the equipment is actually in as well um but uh yeah dude so uh these are your rules that that i basically copied from the last from our past anyways (laughs) so basically uh you're gonna start us out counting down from five to one one being your favorite and if say for example your number five is my number four we'll talk about it when we get to the lower slash higher number than number four Absolutely. Um, again, you should know this because these are the rules that I picked up from <laughs> the Blast from Our Past. Again. That's all right. I, and I stole them from someone else, so don't worry about that. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right, my man. Number five. What is your number five favorite sci-fi gun? Okay, so I'm I'm expecting a little bit of overlap. Yeah, me too. List. Me too. Oh, oh, can I just throw out real quick? So the sure. one thing that John and I both agreed on, no, you can only have one weapon from a franchise. On your list. Okay. And yes, I do agree there probably will be overlap. Yeah. So for my number five, 
I am not expecting this to be on your list because I don't, it's the gun. In fact, actually doesn't have a name hmm. in the, in the, uh, in the series. Um, I only know it by its actual name because it's basically just a real gun that they painted and it became the pretty, I'm fairly iconically the, the most recognized weapon in the movie. Okay. Uh, and the movie is Spaceballs. <laughs> oh, And okay. I'm talking about, their, I'm just going to call it their laser rifle. Oh. So if you what? remember the scene where Daphne Zuniga is like, they shot my hair, and she yeah. like machine guns it. So that gun is a real gun. I own one. <laughs> I own one because I loved Spaceballs. Okay. Uh, it is a Calico M100. Um, it's a very interesting company. Um, that makes uh, these real. I mean, they look. They literally look like ray guns. And what they what they used on Spaceballs is the actual gun. And all they did was they painted the handguard and the magazine gray, and then added a scope. I see. I see that. And that's all they did. Other than that, it's exactly how the weapon is. It is. And that's not the. Oh shoot! I just had the name of the movie in my head. Uh, never mind. Lost it. Just lost it. So, anyways, moving you've, on. I've you, seen. They it. actually use that in a couple of other movies. You see it a little bit in Running Man. That's that's what was in my head. That's what I was yeah. wondering about. Yes, okay. they did use that one in Running Man as well, but it was more prevalent in this movie. So that's why I decided to use this one. You see it better. Nice. Um. So the thing that's interesting about this, uh, it's a twenty-two caliber rifle. So the small bullet, the tiny one. You know, mm-hmm. just a, a one. But that, that tube that is on the top is the magazine, and it holds 100 rounds. Oh, are they spiraled in there? Yeah, it's, okay. it's, like in a, it's like a cyclical thing where it's like spiraled around. In fact, you have to wind it up to get it to shoot. Oh, wow. Um, and so the, actually the one I have is from the 80s, so it's pretty old. So I have to, I have to clean it fairly regularly to make sure it works right. Um, but that's ex- actually how you see it in the movie is pretty much what it looks like. Just Normally <laughs> it's just all black. That's that's awesome, and it does look sci-fi. And uh, yeah, dude, I totally recognize it. Uh, and I also noticed that uh, Calico is based out of Oregon, so yes, good job, Oregon. <laughs> but yeah, dude, I totally remember that, and now I can totally see it. Because even in this picture, the front, uh, the the muzzle almost has like an M16 looking muzzle, which I assume yep. is just attachments that they can you can swap out and change out if you want. Um, uh, maybe, but that, I mean, that's how mine came. Okay, it's okay, exactly like that. And I think when I was a kid, I remember that scene when she says that. And I always thought it was an M16, but then when you see it from the side, you can tell it's not. And I think yeah. it's because of that triangle thing in the the front, you know, the the sight. Well, the, yeah, so that's the front sight. Um, the thing, I mean, the, the front half of it does kind of look like a, just a really skinny M16. Yeah. Um, it's the back half that looks all weird because because of the um, cylinder magazine and the kind of, like, really sp- uh, metallic sparse um, uh, stock in the back mm-hmm. that kind of folds out. Yeah, no, I like uh, that stock. It's actually really, it's a sexy gun, dude. And and even now, the aesthetic of it still looks pretty freaking cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and and it was used fairly prolifically throughout the eighties as a as a, some sort of space gun or futuristic <laughs> gun because it, and because you hardly had to do anything to modify it. Yeah, yeah, no, it already looks it already looks weird because it has no clip or anything. So, yep. <laughs> all right, good one, dude. Spaceballs, man. By the way, love that fucking movie, bro. We ain't found shit. Yeah, God, <laughs> I, 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 
I made the mistake of showing that movie to my kids, forgetting how many curse words were actually in the movie. <laughs> um, but they ended up loving it, which I'm sure I saw that movie at the same age that my that I showed it to my son, and I loved it then. I thought it was hilarious. Oh, yeah, so. I I think I saw it in the theater when I when I was a kid too. Man, it's yeah. Uh, and Mel Brooks movies always have a shit ton of curse words in them. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right, dude. That's a good one, buddy. That was a good one. Um, all right. So my number five is – I'm trying to figure out how to do this. Okay, how about this? It was built off of a Ruger Mini 14 rifle. The name in the movie is the Merida Assault Rifle, and the one I specifically like is the Officer Variant. That Radchak uses, and this is in Starship Troopers 1997. I'm going to say I have that one higher on my list. Oh, now, okay, but so real quick, I just want to note that I have the 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 shorter snubbed one that doesn't have the uh, the grenade launcher slash or shotgun underneath, basically. Okay. Uh, but we'll talk about it. We'll both talk about them together when we get to yours. That's my okay. number five. Uh, we'll talk about both of them in together and the differences and, and whatnot and what we like about them when we get to yours. I think that's yours. fair. I think yeah. that's a good idea. Okay, cool. So what is your number four then? Okay, so yeah, I'm kind of expecting this one to maybe be higher. I don't, I don't know how you feel about it. Uh, I, I don't think I need to do too much lead up to it. Uh, my number four is the Lawgiver Mark II from the movie Dread. Ah, uh, it was it was gonna make my list, but okay. I actually bumped it for the Merida assault rifle. So okay, please talk about that one. And are we talking about Dread, the 2012 Dread? Yeah, I, yeah, I just like I really like the way that one looks. Th- that would have been mine too, dude. Um, it's 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 based off of a Glock 17, which is a you know it's a Glock 17s are dime a dozen. You can you see them you see them in 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 everywhere. You can definitely tell by the handle. Mm-hmm. Um, I could have told it without you know without the skin over the top of it that it was based off of a Glock just on the handle itself. But God, it is such a cool weapon, and he uses it so effectively in the movie. Um, the ability to change the different round types, um, the uh, security system on it, where you have to like it has to be like a DNA match. I. Th- you know, I'm I'm generally speaking, and this may or may not play out in the rest of my list, more of a fan of sort of sci-fi rifles than I am of pistols, per se. Mm-hmm. But in this case, it looked so cool, and he used it so well. And honestly, I would like to see a rifle version. Like, what would, what would the rifle version of this gun be that... Um, you know, that the judges used. Um, I've not read any of the comic books, and I'm sure there's probably some kind of an example yeah, uh, for that. But, like, just in that world, I'm still bitter about not getting any kind of sequel to that <sighs> movie. I know, especially since they've actually released artwork of, uh, you know, Judge Dredd fighting Judge Death, and, and they have Judge Death looking like how he would look in that redesign. Mm-hmm. I love Dread 2012 yeah. so much, dude. And it's one of those movies that I like I like even more every time I watch it. Um, spoiler alert, whenever I do get around to doing top five favorite armors, that armor will be on my list, man. Yeah, it's it's, good, it's so, it's cool. so and I've, cool. And I've seen cosplayers, people dress up, and uh, they it looks so great in person, too. I'm just like, <laughs> God damn, this thing is awesome. But 
to talk about the guns. The lawgiver's yeah. fucking awesome. Everything you said is is I completely agree with. Um, I myself would have thought the same thing that you said, which is you like rifles better. I thought so too, except looking at my list, I, I actually have more pistols than rifles. So oh, okay. I, I guess I didn't know that. Um, but one thing I will say is, I don't necessarily love lasers in movies. Like Star Wars, obviously, yeah. okay, fine. But yeah. I love the sound of machine guns and pistols and bullets. Yeah. And, yeah. and and here now we can actually talk about it. Because like with, you know, space balls, they just do the normal laser bolts and stuff. But here, right. like with the Dread, the Lawgiver, dude, the sound design on that thing was fantastic too. Yeah. And actually one thing I did like that they that they did in the movie um, was was they showed him running out of ammunition. Mm-hmm. Um, you just there's so many movies that you see where clearly they should have run out of bullets, and either they're either you're not seeing them reload, and where they're reloading from you don't know because you don't see the extra magazines, or somehow they have a magic magazine that doesn't uh, empty. That that part does kind of bother me a little bit. I try not to let it because I realize it's a movie and it's yeah. storytelling. Um, I think the the last time I saw a movie where it really really stuck in my head was watching Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> uh, uh, speaking of Carl Urban, yeah, exactly. Carl Urban yeah. <laughs> in that movie with his two M16s, those two magazines at best would have held thirty rounds each, and he unloads forever <laughs> so those were those are somehow uh, asgardian magic uh, m16 magazines um, behold my yeah. stuff <laughs> exactly. i love that movie uh i i'm, I'm kind of of the opinion that uh, carl urban was wasted in that role agreed um, he could have made such a cool superhero somewhere down the line um and that you know i mean he i I'm sure that he was happy to to have a part, um, and his, and a fairly big part. But to me, he could have he could have been Marvel could have used him in some other superhero way, and he could have led a movie. Yeah, I'm I'm of the opinion he could have led a movie. Yeah, I mean, look at how versatile he is, and he'll always uh, get respect from me for for one uh, playing McCoy. Uh, Bones was always my favorite Star Trek character from the original series, mm-hmm. and I think he did a great job of yeah. of really inhabiting that character. And two, he will always get props from me for for the fact that he he said when he took on the role of Dread, you cannot have me remove the helmet at all the entire movie because he grew up reading that that comic and he knew how important that was and it, yeah. luckily the the producers already knew that but he, he it's cool <laughs> that he was on board with that decision as well yeah and i mean it i i think it just makes the character i mean first of all carl urban is kind of like sam jackson he's in everything yeah every time is. i turn around carl urban shows up in some other movie and especially if it's some sort of mainstay action movie we all know what he looks like you know, we don't we don't need to see the rest of his face. But I tell you what, how that dude emotes with just his mouth is so impressive. Now now I want to watch Dread again. <laughs> <laughs> all right, stopping the podcast. Let's go do let's go watch Dread. Uh all right. Here we go. My number four. Okay. Not quite sure how you actually actually how you Wow. Not quite sure, actually, how you feel about this movie. I don't recall you really talking about it too much or having not heard it, but um, 
The gun, the chassis that it's built off of is a very simple bulldog, you know, 44 caliber special revolver, nothing major, but all the bells and whistles that they applied to it back in 1982 turned it into the PKD, aka the Steyr Flager Katsumata series D blaster that Deckard uses in Blade Runner. Okay. I'm uh, I'm about to disappoint a lot of people. You've never seen Blade Runner? I've never seen Blade Runner all the way through. Okay. 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 And well, what I have seen, I don't particularly care for. And I totally get that. I do not begrudge anybody who doesn't get into Blade Runner. It took me a while to find it. Um, it took me a lot of, like people talking to me about it and telling me how awesome it was for me to finally click. And this was back in like high school that it just, it finally clicked. But mm-hmm. one thing that I always loved, and I think we can all agree is that the aesthetic of the movie is pretty freaking awesome. Do you remember yeah. his, his revolver gun at all during it? No, I'm looking at pictures of it right now though. Okay. And I mean, it's, it's cool. I mean, it's, it's cool change to it. I mean, definitely gives it a much more sort of sci-fi futuristic feel. And, and the cool thing that I, I liked about it was how sci-fi it looks, looked and then juxtaposed with his very normal-looking outfit of, like, trench coat and pants and stuff. I mm-hmm. liked that the tech was super sci-fi, but then some of the clothing wasn't. But one thing that you kind of don't get from the picture that was also very cool about it, when it, it, it's loud as shit when it fires and it punches a hole through everything. So it's like you're, <laughs> it's like you're firing a hand cannon, and I yeah. do very much think it was the inspiration for the noisy cricket in in men in black you know what i mean yeah. but uh of, but of course like you know decker the the character he never makes fun of the gun in it but you know it is right. kind of snubbed and short looking but i did always love how sci-fi it looks yeah i do i do like the look of the film it's got a very film noir sort mm-hmm. of film noir in in the future type deal which i'm sure is what they were going for I've just never been able to get into the story. Yep. Nope. I again, I get it completely and I will never fight back on that one because I do it's like Dune, dude. It's it's like Dune. If you're not into yeah. it, I totally get it. Totally understand. My <laughs> my poor wife, she <laughs> loves Dune. Okay. Loves Dune. We've we, I've watched every iteration of Dune they've ever made with her. And including the sci-fi channel movies that came out. Oh yeah. And those, the children of Dune. Yep. I, I actually have both of those on DVD. I, we do too. And nice. you know what? They're pretty good. They're yeah. not bad. Yeah. They're not bad. Um, and she's super excited for the new one that's coming out. And for all intents and purposes, sounds like it's pretty incredible. So I'm, I'm, ex- I'm excited to take her to the, to the movie or watch it online or however we end up doing it just to watch it with her because yeah. her reaction is going to be big. But, we we used to listen when, whenever we used to road trip. We listened to a lot of books on tape, and I she was always mad at me because I would get her hooked on different f- book franchises, usually through these books on tape. And she finally was like, "Okay, we're gonna do Dune." I said, "Okay, fine." So I we listened to Dune. The book Dune was fine, mm-hmm. and then everyone after that, I got through maybe like one or two, and I was like, "I can't do it anymore. It's just I just don't like it." Okay. And she, then she got mad at me. For, for not continuing with hers, but I'm like, I'm sorry. I just, I just don't like it. I like, I liked the first book. Everything else, I just, I just can't handle. Well, the thing is, 
I have read the first book three times, and mm. I have never read past that. And I'm not a big reader, so I'm not like someone who reads a shit ton. So even reading one right. book three times is crazy. But I don't know, man. I just I like that one book a lot. Yeah. And that's and that's fair. She's read almost all of the books. What? Is, okay, I forget the author's name. Frank Herbert. Herbert. His son did yeah. a whole bunch of extra books. Continue. Yeah. Yeah. And what's funny is because my wife has read them and hates them <laughs> because they're horrible. But she feels compelled to read them to continue the story. I, from what I hear, that seems to be the norm. I think people are not a huge fan of his son's uh, uh, works and everything. Yeah. So, all right, but I get it, dude. Again, I get it. I totally get it if Blade Runner's not your thing. So, did you not see Blade Runner 2049 or whatever? No, although, I just, I mean, the artwork looks stunning. And yeah. if, if I was going to watch it, I should have watched it in the theater just to just to see all that artwork in yeah. on, a, on a big screen. It's it's a beautiful movie. It is. That's what um, I've heard. I heard is, uh, someone, I, I forget who it was, someone I knew said that exact those exact words. He was like, the movie was okay, but it was the most beautiful thing I'd seen in a long time. Yeah, it truly, truly was. Um, all right, buddy. So we're on to your no, your number f- three, right? My number three. Which was your number five? Okay, the Merida assault rifle. Okay. Yes. So which which version did you like? The main one that like Rico had? I, I, I just went with the yeah the original, um, uh, just the the Mark One rifle. Yeah, yeah. Not the carbine, just the rifle with the with the shotgun underneath it, which was you're right. It's a Ruger Mini 14, which is what the they built the chassis for, and then they put a uh, an Ithaca 37 shotgun underslung underneath it for the for the main rifle for the grunts rifle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So since we both love this one, you lead us off. What uh, what gravitated you towards it? Well, like you said, I don't particularly care for in the most cases laser rifles yeah i just don't really i like the sound of um you know bullets being fired i like the fact that you have a limited amount of ammo and you have to you know carefully choose your shots um i like in this movie particularly i like how they differentiated between all the things um in a typical squad uh, whoever was the squad leader would actually have a carbine. That was t- that was very common, and in this case, um, that was exactly what they had. Uh, um, Michael Ironside's character had the carbine because yeah. usually they would have the carbine. And uh, I wanted to like the sniper rifle because I'm a big fan of sniper rifles. But I'm sorry, that scope be ugly as shit. <laughs> <laughs> right, dude. I am a hundred percent right. Like you, sometimes I actually really think sniper rifles are cool looking. I hated that one because of that goddamn scope on it. Looked ridiculous. It looked like a fucking floodlight. Yes, it, it did. looked like they had a floodlight on top. And was... I'm, I don't know what they were thinking. <laughs> um, I mean, they didn't really do too much to change the gun. I mean, the, it's basically the same thing with just the scope on top. Um, and uh, I don't know. To me, because like, um. No, I, I won't mention. No, I'll go ahead and mention because it, it, this particular one didn't make it. Um, but like in Star Wars, which we may or may not be talking about, sure. Um, about the uh, stormtroopers, I've always liked the scout troopers because they have a their rifle is a little bit longer because it's mm-hmm. more of a scout or sniper rifle. Yep. And they didn't do any of that here for a sniper rifle. I would have expected something that's a little bit uh, smaller and longer for better accuracy and range, but 
just slapping on the scope to me is kind of cheating and they didn't even use anything cool. So, yeah. <laughs> but, but 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 aside from not liking the sniper rifle, we we both think that the design of the overall gun itself is pretty fucking badass, right? Yeah. So it's a it's a bullpup design, which means that the magazine goes behind the trigger. Right. Which I always um, thought was super cool when I was a kid. I always thought that, that was really neat. It looks looks really it looks really really cool. Um, it kind of reminds me a little bit of a, and I can't remember the exact model number, but it's a, a Famas or Famas. I'm not really sure how to say it. it's F A M A S. Um, those are the 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 standard firearms that the French army uses, and they I, have I that know cool this because little of Call of Duty. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they have that cool little sort of handle looking thing on top. Yep. And th- this has this here, and I for some reason I've always the, liked the look of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even though it doesn't necessarily serve i mean it does serve a purpose it, it you know if you put us if you put the scope on top it elevates the scope which means you don't have to lean over as far to see i'm just talking about practicality here but it just looks cool it does and it sounds cool too and because mm-hmm. it's built off of a real gun in the movie dude i love the pan the planet p um you know siege basically where you know where Radshack eventually dies and everything yeah. because when they're on top of the wall and they're just firing i get such like my nipples get hard <laughs> at, at the sound of like sustained fire for a long period of time and i love yeah. Video games where there's like a horde thing going on where you just have a horde of, of enemies coming at you and you just you're just throwing bullets into them and it's just not even doing anything. And when every time I watch that scene, it's just so visceral and exciting, yeah. you know, um, but the first couple of times I watched it, I kind of didn't cue in on the fact that Radchek had a bit of a different one. He has, like you said, the, the carbine, the smaller one. And you're right. Like I noticed it. Then I started noticing it. Like, for example, in Saving Private Ryan, uh, um, Tom Hanks's character, he's he's the leader of the team. He's mm-hmm. the one that's got the the Thompson, the, the Tommy gun, whereas yeah. everyone else has the bolt action rifles because they give the the like you said, the squad leader gets like usually yeah. what, what like a it's a lower caliber, but it's yeah. a higher fire rate, and it's it's more supposed to be right for like f- close on encounters. Because if he's if the commander's gonna be f- fighting people are probably going to be on top of them, right? Is that the idea behind that, it? More or less, yeah. Okay. More or less. Now, I've never been in the military, yeah, neither so of I'm us sure have, there's yeah. way more to it than that. Um, I just know from what research I've done and from people I've talked to, um, over the last probably four or five years, I've become kind of a, a fan of firearms, owning a few, and, and, and really enjoying the sport, I would say, of shooting and that sort of thing. Um, but you know, doing a little bit of research... Um, yeah, actually, I think they, uh, the rest of them, they actually had M1 Garands, which are actually semi-automatic, um, not bolt action. Okay. Uh, but the sniper in that movie did have a bolt action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, dude, overall, man, like, I love that movie. And I know it's not perfect, but but I fucking well, love Starship Troopers, man. I know. And I know there's a lot of people who who are like, it's nothing like the book. I'm going to tell you this. If the if the book is nothing like the movie, I'm not sure I really want to read the book because I really enjoyed uh, the movie. As someone who's read the book, um, I'd watch the movie again, to be truthful with you. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's cool. And, yeah, like, like honestly, like, we wouldn't have, like, Warhammer 40K Space Marines. Well, that That's mostly what, what like, the, they look like in the book. And that was written, like, in the 60s. So, like, all this mech suit stuff does come from the book. But mm-hmm. I just like the movie so much better. 
It's so fun. It's so fun. Every Verhoeven movie is fun. God, I love Verhoeven. Yeah, he does a good job with that sort of thing. Uh, also, one of my favorite sort of experiences ever was I actually got to meet Dina Meyer, who Ooh. plays Dizzy. Yeah. Uh, she was at a uh, – they have – well, I haven't had it in a while, but they have the big Star Trek convention here in Vegas every year. Okay. Uh, which is where I live, which makes it really easy because everyone else flies in and stays in the hotel, and all I have to do is drive down 20 minutes to where, the, <laughs> to where it is. So I usually only go down there for like a day because it's – it's largely the same one every year, just with different people. And I was walking around the the floor, um, and still, a lot of times they'll have like the big name people. You kind of have to buy a ticket to get autograph for. But then sometimes other people just are there and just have a booth. And Dina Meyer was just there, and no one was at her booth. And I was like, uh, I'm getting a fucking picture right now. <laughs> and that's exactly what it did. And she was so sweet. And I don't know how old she is, but man, she is just as hot now as she ever was in the '90s. And uh, oh god, she, she was, was definitely so cool. one of my '90s crushes, bro. Oh, for geez. sure, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I was at a con. Uh, I think it was actually like the first year of Kamikaze in L.A., and mm. it was not done well. But I was walking around. It was very barren. And I looked over, and Erin Gray was sitting at her booth thing, and she, no one was there. and No one was like around me. Our eyes met. <laughs> we caught eyes, and then I just ran away because I was like, <laughs> I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I hate interacting with celebrities. I, I just don't know what to say or do. So, But Erin uh, Gray also looked very beautiful, and this was only like – eight years ago so yeah um all right well this is not the <laughs> it's not our, <laughs> our crushes uh, episode this we're getting our, off on our... a lot of weird tangents in this one uh, you know what that's what i was hoping for my man so all right cool um so we're right on task exactly how i wanted it to be uh <laughs> so this is my number three correct yes all right this one is one of my only laser guns uh, blaster rifles, as they say in a galaxy far, far away, as I'm sure you suspected, uh, would make the list at some point, right? Um, I might throw you for a curveball here. So it's not built off of anything. It's it's fabricated from the ground up because it's mm-hmm. actually from the prequels. Um, and I am, of course, talking about the the twin pair of custom Westar 34 blaster pistols that my man Django Fett wields in Attack of the Clones. Okay. First off, I just want to really quick and say that I do miss the fact that the original trilogy would use just found stuff in their costumes. Like like Luke's goggles in Empire Strikes Back were just like ski goggles, you know? (laughs) Um, But now, you know, after that with the prequels and then the sequel area, I feel like everything gets fabricated. There's no real world sort of equivalent of it. But one of my favorite things that Lucas did in the prequels was really go with this retro laser design blaster pistols like Padme has one and everything and even Zam Wessel has one. But mm-hmm. like and they're all silver and I like the way it looked, but it still has like a Star Wars feel to it, you know? Yeah. And I just like the way Jang I mean, first of all, I love Django Fett. I thought he was awesome as shit. The moment I saw him, I love how he spins the 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 pistols. He's like obviously he's like a gunslinger. He's got a part Chow Yun fat, part gunslinger. I just thought he was cool as shit, and I like those guns. I think they're super cool. And uh, uh, one thing that you actually learn in the comics, but not in the movie, they are magnetized to his gloves. So even if they're on the table, he can like bring them to his his hands without like the force. They're just like magnetized to it. And uh, I just thought they looked cool as shit, dude. 
I am trying to find a picture of them. <laughs> <laughs> Type in Django Fett's blaster uh, uh, pistols, and and you'll see, um, and you'll see that they are kind of. You know, very retro 50s sci-fi style, but with, like, you know, a little bit more of a modern spin. Oh, they certainly are. Yeah, yeah. What was your thoughts on, on the prequels, my man? I'm not a fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, there, I'm, I'm, again, I'm not going to push back on that. Um, did you there, ever watch the, the cartoons? I tried. Okay. I couldn't get through them. I had a really hard time with the art style, and it really I, – I know it shouldn't, but it, it did. It yeah. kind of kept me from enjoying it. So, plus, I just never really got invested in the stories. I, I mean, I thought there were cool characters that mm-hmm. were. I mean, I forever will think that Darth Maul is one of the coolest things to ever come out. I mean, I'm sure you remember. Um, I'm pretty sure they showed it on the trailer, but for the first time seeing that trailer and the the concept of a double bladed lightsaber was the coolest thing. Any, yeah, just completely mind blown. Uh, and so, you know, I mean, and that fight scene is still probably my favorite fight scene out of any of the movies. Yeah. Yeah. And in that Jango Fett fight scene with, oh, against Obi-Wan is probably one of my favorite fight scenes in any of the Star Wars movies as well. Mm. But yeah, I didn't fall in love with the prequel era until I went through the, the Clone Wars cartoons and I will say that they do get better as you go along. The first couple of seasons were a little bit rough, but man, when it takes off, it takes off. And but that was really what changed me for the for the prequel era. And now because of of the Clone Wars cartoons and because of uh, like Rebels cartoons and stuff like that, I honestly love the prequel era almost as much as I love the OT. But sequel era is still beneath both of those. <laughs> but. But I also yeah. say, you know, knowing that, like, I didn't love the prequels at first and it took some time to get to them, I'm not completely writing the sequels off yet. I'm going to have right. to revisit them 10, 15 years from now to see if they still hold up or not. I'm not quite sure they will, though. Yeah. There were, I mean, there were some good things yeah. in there. Um, there, Like, in, in a lot of cases, like, they had characters I liked. I just didn't like what they did with those characters. <laughs> yeah. and I, I mean, I think the Mandalorian is the best thing to come out of, of, of the Disney oh, era at this point. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm, yeah. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was also a big reader of the books. Oh, yeah. Uh, and um, I'm still not a fan of, like, Timothy Zahn's original Thrawn trilogy is still, it, it's in my mind, probably the best star Wars story that's ever been written. Uh, I'm sure I might make some enemies by saying that one, but I, I wasn't a big fan of them taking Thrawn and throwing him into like the rebels mm-hmm. and, and wherever else they showed him. Um, I really liked the story that Zahn wrote and I wish they would have found a way to include that story somehow, but I don't run Disney, so if, you know. If ever someday I find myself with a hundred billion dollars to spend to buy the Star Wars franchise, then maybe we can talk. But actually, at this point, it's probably cost more than that. Can Can you just please uh, put uh, Podcast After Dark on the Disney Plus uh, streaming service <laughs> when you inevitably put uh, Blast from the Past on there as well? <laughs> uh, all right, buddy. So we are at your number dose. Uh, all right, so for my number dose, we are staying in the realm of Star Wars. Oh, 
And this is a recent favorite, but has quickly become a big favorite. I'm kind of surprised you didn't go with this one. Uh, my number two is the Ambin sniper rifle that originally showed up in the Star Wars Christmas special that Boba Fett has and the Mandalorian used in season one. Oh, yeah, dude. I'm not going to lie to you. That thing is freaking awesome, man. Yeah. Now, I'm a big, like I said, I'm a big fan of like sniper rifles mm-hmm. and sort of the sniper concept in general. Anytime I've ever played um, any kind of first person shooter game, I generally go for the sniper rifles. Um, I'm a, I'm a, I was, I'm, I'm a camp and wait type of player, which a lot of people hate, <laughs> but I enjoy that. I, I enjoy that play style. So, um, I knew I needed to get some kind of sniper esque rifle in here. And, uh, I really, really like this one. So let me ask you, did you order that, uh, Nerf gun? Replica? Oh, you kidding me? The day they announced it. <laughs> It's, no. I've already had, I've had it on pre-order for at least two or three months at this point. Dude, that thing is so freaking cool looking, my man. I don't even know what I'm gonna do with it, but I I don't you know I'll play <laughs> with it for a little bit. But I'm just gonna, what you're gonna do? Oh my fun, my son's not gonna get to touch it. <laughs> That's gonna be mine. I'm gonna hunt him around the house with that thing. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. And then and then we'll build him a costume and we'll do a little cosplay. That'll be fun. But at first, it's gonna be me hunting him around with that thing. <laughs> yeah, I I pre-ordered that thing the second i found out you could man and the thing is i mean you you gotta admit like that might not have worked on screen like it worked well enough in in the cartoon but Mm -hmm. they might not have been able to pull that off but i think it looks so fucking cool i you know what i think i don't think it would have worked until the mandalorian Mm -hmm. I, i think until favreau and um filoni got a hold of it that they, because I mean, immediately I'm like, oh yeah, I totally believe that. That's his weapon. That's you know, I mean, it looks like a Star Wars weapon, but they just make it look cool and it works. And I think the effect that that they are able to do with it just elevates it. And I think to your point, you know, it, it took a creative team that has reverence for uh, the holiday special. Um, I think if anyone else, <laughs> anyone else would have like made it a joke. Because right. the holiday special is a joke, but because they love it, Favreau and Filoni love it. Uh, you know, they gave, they made the gun actually cool. And when you finally see him disintegrate fucking Jawas, it's awesome. <laughs> and you now understand what Vader means when he says to Boba Fett, "No disintegrations." I always thought that that was more of like a, a grenade, like a thermal detonator. I didn't think that you could actually have a bullet that disintegrates too. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, it's not a, a bullet in this case. Yeah. Um, it's it is some, some sort of charge. Charged projectile laser or something. Electron, yeah. or electric or somehow. But, uh, yeah. I mean, God, I think it just looks, which is, which is weird because it looks both antique and futuristic at the yeah. same time. Yeah. I mean, it, ha- it, it almost looks a little bit like a muzzle loader, but with really cool futuristic things futuristic things built onto it i mean even the the stock it's made of wood it's an old you know it's a wood stock which gives it a little bit more of an antique look but it certainly doesn't fire like an antique and that's not something you normally see in star wars is like Mm -hmm. wood stocks you always see like 
black plastic or whatever. You just you never see like wood. And I'm I agree with you. Uh, it has a an antique yet futuristic look to it. And I think you know that is when Star Wars excels. Is when it's supposed to look futuristic but old. And and this was perfect. And that's a great gun. And you're right. It probably should have been on my list. I mean, honestly, between you and me, we could probably do a, a top five just Star Wars guns, <laughs> yeah. you know, obviously. And you know what's funny? Boba Fett's rifle would probably not even make that list. I've never been a fan of it. Eh, you know, it's just a, it's a little puny little short yeah. rifle. Yeah, the, the EE-33. I've never, honestly, was never a fan of it. I actually really like the... um. Like the first order stormtroopers, for I love their armor, but I also love their guns. How they have those white pieces on them now, you yeah. know? Yeah, thought they looked really cool. That would make it above the Boba Fett one. So, all right, my, I I know this isn't your number one because I am fairly certain you know as well as I do what your number one is, and you know what my number one is. I'm fairly <laughs> certain. So I'm just gonna come out and say I don't think this is your number one, but it was built off of a Beretta 93R. And it came, and it was used in 1987's RoboCop. It is the Auto Nine. Yeah, yeah. It didn't. It didn't make my my list. Like I said, most of the most of the time, I favor rifles. Um, I did, I did in my head kind of try to compare. Do I do I like the, um, the Lawgiver over, uh, over RoboCop's pistol? And in the end, I had to give it to the Lawgiver. I just liked it, it better. Um, it does look cool, but I mean, to me, in the end, it was just. It's just a, uh, it's just sort of a, a elongated, automatic pistol. Yeah, with yeah. the the clip or, or whatever. Funny that you say that, seeing as how your number five was just the gun itself with uh, lasers <laughs> shooting out of it. But I get what you're saying. But I don't I, own I don't own a Beretta 93. Right. So. Ex- exactly. No. No. I, I totally get it. Um. And speaking of sound design, dude, like in like. The sound that it makes when it fires those three burst shots mm-hmm. is so iconic. And then you throw in like the the muzzle flare that's shooting out of the side when it's doing that. And I just right. think it's so awesome. And then, you know, the icing on the cake is that fucking Robocop keeps it in his goddamn leg. I know. And which is like perfect. It's like the perfect thing. Um I I will say I I, I don't know if we discussed this when we talked about Robocop on Blast from Our Past. Um, but I think there was like a fan theory that he never reloads it because he doesn't have to because it actually feeds in from his arm oh. into the gun, um, which I mean is plausible. You don't see it connect to him in any way, but I like that theory. I like that I would, theory, but because I could believe it. I I never heard that theory before. Uh, with Rob- I don't think we discussed that one. I think okay. that that it reloads in his leg, like it it, it does it in there. Um, my biggest theory with, with RoboCop is that he has actual no body pieces except for his brain. And that is just a fake, or that's just a face that they put over a robotic chassis, uh, that encompasses, you know, his brain and that in order for him to not go insane when he looks in the mirror, essentially. That's a interesting, that's interesting theory. Very dark and deep. <laughs> It, I mean, that's it's a dark movie, and I was just I was just actually listening to the uh, Talking Back episode uh, where they reviewed uh, RoboCop. It was, it was really good. So, guys and gals, go go check that one out. By the time this drops, that'll probably be a couple of weeks in the in the past. So, definitely check yeah. that one out. It's a good one. Um, but I know and you then, love RoboCop, though. I know you love the movie. Yeah, I enjoyed the movie for sure. I even enjoyed the sequel. 
Yeah, yeah, RoboCop 2, yeah, yeah, me too. But uh, not not the the remake, though. I did not like the remake. <laughs> Never saw it. I didn't bother. I, I say stay that way. Don't bother <laughs> with that. Don't bother bother with the uh, the Total Recall remake either, dude. I, I actually saw that one in the theater. Oh, my. <laughs> what are your thoughts on that real quick? You know what? If you if you separate it from the original, and like if you never saw the original, it's a decent sci-fi film. Okay. There's nothing memorable memorable about it. The performances are okay, but like it's it doesn't have the quirkiness that the original had, which made it so memorable. Right. You know the almost over the top cheese that you got with the Schwarzenegger version. This one is just a straight sci-fi story using, um, uh, using uh, Total Recall. So, if you can separate that in your mind, it's a decent film. Okay. I didn't hate it. It's not the original. It doesn't. It doesn't try to be the original, but it didn't improve on it at all. And so. I, th- I think it's more closer to the source material. I believe too. The the remake probably. Yeah, but. What what's the fun in that? <laughs> if uh, Verhoeven had kept to original to the source material in in Starship Troopers, we might not be talking about it. Exactly, dude. Exactly. So you know what? I I'll, I should probably give Total Recall a remake another another go one of these days because I actually I mean no, I do you like, don't really need to. <laughs> I was gonna say I, I do like Colin Farrell and and I yeah. actually liked him in um the Fright Night remake. I actually don't think the Fright Night remake is all that terrible to be honest with you because mainly because of him. I love him uh in bruges is another great movie by the way never seen it all right well on that note <laughs> a movie that i know we've both seen buddy give me your number one and <laughs> let's let's do it all right uh if you've ever listened to us talk on any of our episodes specifically that we one that we did about this time last year yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think it's probably yeah, it was either one year ago or two years ago. I'm pretty sure it was just last year because we did it for Aliens Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, the movie is Aliens, and we've already kind of had this discussion, so I had no worries that uh, we were going to pick the same one. Uh, I went with the M56 smart gun, okay, which is Vasquez's and Drake's weapon of choice yes of course and i'll just tell you mine now so that way we can just talk in general <laughs> yeah. i of course went with the m41a pulse rifle uh the chassis is built off of a uh thompson submachine gun mm-hmm. and the grenade launcher is just i think the front part of a uh, uh franchi spas 12 um yeah. so obviously you and I both love aliens. It's, it's one of our favorite movies. Um, it is my singular favorite movie. Um, the pulse rifle is my favorite gun of all time. I know the smart rifle or smart gun is yours. And the reason we even said, we came to the conclusion that we could only use one per franchise because (laughs) the smart gun still probably would have been on my list. And I'm sure the pulse rifle. Oh yeah. yeah, The pulse rifle would have made my list as well. And, and I knew, but I also, and this is guys, I think you can understand why I handpicked John for this one <laughs> because I knew you were going to pick the, the smart gun and I was going to pick the pulse rifle and we'd have a great conversation. So buddy boy, kick it off. What is it that you love so much about the smart gun? First of all, well, in, in part to the look of the gun, uh, which is built uh, off of a German uh, MG 42 uh, machine gun and then added on with actually some motorcycle parts and a um, steady cam arm, steady cam arm. 
it's also the attitude of the characters that w- that wielded them. Um, Drake and Vasquez are like, like there. I want their friendship. Mm-hmm. I want to have their. You know, there. It's it's like a it's platonic love. Um, maybe brother and sister ish. May because there's there's no sexual tension at all between the two of them. Right. They're just good friends. But I mean, Vasquez is just bad as shit. Mm-hmm. She is so cool, and she wields that thing like it's a third arm for her. Um, and you know, Drake's right with her. It looks so cool. Um, oh, it just I I get the metaphysical and physical boner whenever I see it. <laughs> and I love that practice dance routine that they're doing yeah. in, in, on the Salaco when they're kind of gearing up and you know checking their their gear and everything. It's so cool. Um, the way that they just the way that it forces them to walk and stand kind of is really neat. And honestly, of my favorite movie of all time, one of my favorite shots in that movie is when they're first coming up to Hadley's Hope and the cameras on the inside after Hudson runs a bypass, the can the doors open from the inside and you see Vasquez standing right in the center with her yeah. gun just trained right at the camera. I just God, I love it. And yeah, even though the pulse rifle is my number one, the smart gun would have been on my top five. So I I love it, dude. Yeah. And of course you know the sound it makes just that it's such a unique sound you yeah. know i don't know who i should have looked it up but i don't know who the sound designer was for this movie but the sound of first of all the sound of the weapons is unique if i heard the sound alone i'd be like oh that's the that's one of the rifles from aliens yeah uh, the sounds of the aliens are great like the sound design in that movie is just so good yeah it really really is and and when I was younger, I didn't quite understand uh, what what when you know when Apron right. tells them to collect the um the the clips. I didn't. I thought I was like, wait a minute, like their their bullets are that small. But that was just <laughs> the triggering mechanism. Yeah, yeah. That yeah, they I, because you can't unhook the the clips for that fucking thing. Right. <laughs> uh, I think it's is it belt fed. Yeah, I, I think it's belt fed somehow. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. And then you don't see it, but I, I always loved in the, in the video games whenever you got to use the the smart gun, you could see actually how it looked, and and so it it actually tracks targets. Like so, you know, you have you keep it in a, a general window, but mm-hmm. it's automated that it tracks targets within that window and kind of do, does like you know minor compensations to move the gun around. So right. I love that idea, dude, and it's. Weirdly, of all the things, something you've never really seen in another movie, anything that looks like that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because even the Merida in uh, Starship Troopers kind of looks like a pulse rifle a little bit, you know? Right. But nothing looks like the smart gun. Yeah, um, exactly. Now, what do, what do you like about the pulse rifle then? Because I know you do still like it. Yeah. Well, first of all, I mean, it's like, it's a multi-tool. Well, I mean, granted, also... She tapes a uh, flamethrower <laughs> yeah. to it. But, <laughs> but it does have a grenade launcher underneath of it, you know. Yeah, it's got a grenade launcher. Um, it's just, it's you know, it's a really, really cool chassis. I like the way they built it. It's got that, that bloody handle, man. God, that yeah. handle at the top. I don't know what it, about, it is about that. I love the look of that. It, it looks um, mean and beefy. 
Yeah, it does. Uh, it, it it's one of those things where like it looks beefy, but might be like surprisingly um, light. Yeah. Um, I it's 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 a simple thing, but um, the way that the magazine sort of blends into the body of the firearm after they put a new one in because it's got the little flare at the bottom. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of impractical, but it looks really, really cool. Yeah, yeah, because I know what you mean, because the bottom kind of turns into that flat lip part, so you clearly that clip, that magazine, could not be used with, like, another weapon. It has to go with that one, and it right. looks so freaking cool, dude. And, and of course, you have that, that bullet counter on there and everything and jesus dude it's like i mean this thing was like designed in the 80s and it still mm-hmm. looks iconic to today both this and the smart gun and my my question to you is how do you design something to be iconic and stand the test of time man that's that's such a good question um i was actually just you, you mentioned the counter for something such for such a simple idea the counter itself i find to be fairly iconic in the gun itself because if you see anything like that, automatically you think aliens. Because first off, that's actually a pretty cool practical thing mm-hmm. to be able to have a counter that is automatically going to count down for you, you know, how, how much ammo you have left that is easy to see. Because that is something that I know that, uh, you know, firearms manufacturers have been doing, you know, dealing with for, for a long time. And, and nowadays you can get. Um, these they're not plastic, but they're basically plastic magazines, so you can see through them. Oh, okay. So you can okay. um, you can automatically see how much ammo you have. But even then, you have to kind of you're either guessing or you're gonna have to count, as opposed to just having that number displayed right there. Just boom, I know exactly how many rounds I got left. Yeah, yeah. And and those three round bursts, man, they just they sound mm-hmm. awesome. Um, and then you know canonically in the movie, like those are like small explosive rounds. So like each bullet is just gonna tear a <laughs> hole right through you, you know. And just that, you know, them coupled with the smart guns, it's like what's what an imposing just visage that is you know like just two squads you know one one each squad has one heavy machine gun because that's all you freaking need you also have one flamethrower and uh you know of course that unfortunately that was dietrich uh she she yeah. of course needed to learn better uh, uh gun control uh trigger control otherwise we we wouldn't have lost frost but like i like the fact that like you know, it wasn't like five people had smart guns. It was just just two, you know, and then everyone else had the had the pulse rifles and everything. And I think the only thing that would have made it e- like even better would be is if like Apone had an even smaller snubbed one. But at the same time, the pulse rifle is so snubbed and compact. I can see the practicality of like not even making another third gun for the commanding officer anyways, you know. Right. Yeah. I agree. It's just he's just not gonna have the 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 smart gun is all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I saw a guy actually. He was at the same. It was at the same Star Trek convention. A guy showed up dressed as a colonial marine, and had it's... a uh, a pulse rifle. There's actually there is an airsoft version of the gun that you can get, and is it's there? kind of there is, and it's actually you can get it in different colors. Um, it's kind of expensive. But I've seriously, I don't even, I've, I haven't played Airsoft in a very long time, but I've seriously considered getting it just so that I can have a really cool replica looking one. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I'll think, I'm going to think about it. If you do, please take pictures and send them to me. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be, I'll either be, co- well, I probably won't be cosplaying with it, but 
Uh, I'll find someone to cosplay with it and make it look really, really cool. Uh, uh, my number one cosplay thing that I, I would want to cosplay as is the uh, white prototype Boba Fett armor. Um, and I, I just think that's so awesome looking. Just, yeah, type, type just type in uh, b- prototype armor. It, it was basically... So this was for Empire Strikes Back. His armor was originally going to be all white back when he, they thought he was going to be a just a super stormtrooper before they made him a bounty hunter. And then they just painted all of uh, the armor just different colors. But it's all white, and it looks really freaking cool. But the second uh, thing that I would want to be would be a Colonial Marine. Now, John, mm-hmm. question. Would you want the... F- the full normal colonial marine armor or would you want the heavy machine gunner armor because there is a difference i mean if i if i was cosplaying i would go with the smart gunner armor mm-hmm. yeah just because if i if i'm gonna want the smart gun anyway right right so and, um, and they have that really cool like it looks like an extra padded chest piece or something you know yeah like i imagine it's because they're standing like they're standing while other people are taking cover so they have to have a bit more ad- added protection i imagine right I'm sure practically that thing was there to cover something that was underneath <laughs> yes, it. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I mean, speaking of practicalities, the freaking lamp on the, the head, next to their head looks great too, but if you were fighting somebody, you would just aim for the lamp because then you're just going to hit their head anyways. Right. <laughs> exactly. It, it, does, it does make for a pretty big target. It does, but it looks hella fucking cool, dude. <laughs> I, uh, I I think I've told this story before, but uh, back in, I think this would have been, actually this would have been 2012 because that was the year my daughter was born. Uh, for Halloween that year, we did aliens. That mm-hmm. was our theme. Um, I built, actually, Adam Adam did help me. I built a styrofoam uh, power loader for my wife. Wow! Uh, it was actually just the upper half. Okay. So there were no legs, but I like I fed a backpack through it, and we painted the whole thing yellow. And I actually got an actual working uh, warning strobe light <laughs> and put it on top. Um, and so she walked around with that. Um, I had my daughter in a front pack, and so I just bought an oversized T-shirt and put blood on it and ripped a hole in it and fed her <laughs> through it so that she was just coming out of my chest. Um, and then my son was kind of a combination colonial marine, um, but he he actually had a smart gun that I used a lamp arm to connect to a Nerf gun <laughs> that I modified to look like the smart gun. <laughs> Dude, that's and awesome. I, I even took football pads and like modified them with the little light that just stood up oh, cool. on his shoulder. Oh, um, dude. I still have some of the stuff, but most of it is has been destroyed over the years, but it was it was a fun cuz I spent all summer working on those two costumes. And I I don't know if I've ever actually asked you this, but and I know you love it, but where does Aliens rank? I'm sure top five, right? Oh, it would be top five. Yeah. Okay. It would be top five for sure. Okay. Nice. Nice. Hey, that's I, a, and that's why I knew you'd be perfect for this one, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it's, it's one of those, it's one of those movies that if I, if it ever, if I just ever happened upon it, I would just, wherever it is in the movie, I'll just sit and watch. Yeah. Yeah. It could be at the beginning. It could be close to the end. I'm still going to sit and watch the rest of it. Yeah. And, and guys and gals, if you want to hear a very fun discussion about aliens, listen to the Blast from Our Past episode. Like uh, John said, it was about a year ago. Um, mm-hmm. But we had so much fun. I remember uh, uh, two things from that, two monumental things from that episode. One, it was the first time that I ever noticed in my, I mean, in my like, 
500 viewings that the uh, the salvage guys at the beginning they had colonial marine shin pad but just shin pads but painted yellow and as oh. an armor file I was very disappointed in myself for not ever noticing that <laughs> um, and then I I did that entire episode with you guys without a single piece of note in front of me it was all just off the top of my head because I can I literally could probably like beat for beat recite that entire movie and it would probably come in at the same runtime as the mm-hmm. as the film. That's how many times I've seen it. And I've I and I've I've like listened to it more than I've seen it because I would used to like just put it on while I was like drawing or something like that. Yeah. And you would just have it on the background. So it's yeah. uh yeah, dude. I, I love that movie and I can always sense a fellow uh Xenomorph fan from uh <laughs> from across the way, dude. Yeah. Um Dude, this was great, man. I I knew you, I knew you'd be a fun one to to talk guns with, and it's funny because we didn't discuss it going in, but you mentioned it, and we do link sync up on it in the fact that we both don't really like laser guns, and we like more you know the bullets and the and the yeah. sound of the guns and stuff. So I was like, oh yeah, it's just it's perfect, my man. It's perfect. So I have I had a couple of honorable mentions. Please hit me with them because I I didn't, but I might be able to pull some out of the top of my head. Well, one that I I consider putting on, um, even though it you even though uh, you only see it a little bit, and oddly enough, the hero doesn't use it. Um, the Zorg ZF one from the Fifth Element. Oh yeah, oh yeah, which is the that, one that has yep. the gun that uh, Gary Oldman shows them. That one's just kind of more for the fun of it because it has yeah. all the cool stuff, <laughs> and you know those guys. You know, always uh, a true killer would ask about the little red button on the side of the gun. <laughs> um, and then, even though I'm not the biggest revolver fan, unless I'm like in a western, uh, the Good Samaritan from Hellboy. Oh yes, the big dude. ass revolver yes, the yes. dude has. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. That's a pretty cool gun. I enjoy that one. Oh, dude, that's that's a really good pull right there, dude. I I like that gun. Uh, I specifically like it because you can. He, like, creates, like, ammunition for it that has, like, all this, like, stuff in it, like, silver and wolfsbane or I don't know, whatever it has. And, like, that's really cool. And then it shoots bullets that are so big because he sucks. He sucks at shooting. And it's it's more sort of elaborated in the comics. But Uh he's, like, he's he's just not good at it. And it's it's funny to have your your hero be, like, not good at something. So he's, like, well, I just have it bigger, you know. And it's a a cool gun that he actually – in the comic books, he actually got it from a superhero. Oh. Um, in, in the comics, it's it's a sort of a bigger superhero-filled world in the comics that's not mm-hmm. in the movies. Okay. And, and as much as I do love Hellboy the movies, one thing that I liked in the comics is he doesn't hide and there's no like weird addressing it. He'll just go to this town in Romania, you know, and uh, <laughs> somebody greets him. And they're like, Oh, okay. You must be Hellboy. Uh, the B- BPRD sent you and he- we got to show you what's going on. No one ever talks about him being a, a demon or anything. Like they kind of made a whole plot of in, in the movie Hellboy, you know? Right. But good one, dude, the good Samaritan. That- that's a really good uh, uh, weapon. I like that one. Cool. Dude, this was so much fun, my man. Thank yeah, you. I enjoyed this. Thank you for uh, thank you for uh, asking me to do this because it was a, a it was fun going back and thinking about different movies and and different you know firearms and, and sci fi stuff that I'd seen over the years and having to put them in a in a list was actually tougher than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> me me too. And 
you were my first and only choice for this one, my man. So thank you for saying yes. I do really appreciate it. Um, I know I talked the shit of of Blasphemer Past at the beginning. So give us a uh, give us a little throwback trivia takedown uh, now. All right, so Throwback Trivia Takedown, uh, if you like trivia, is a sort of a nostalgic trivia game um, based around basically the late 20th century. We basically cover all pop culture from the 50s to the 2000s. It used to be just the 70s, 80s, and 90s, but we've since expanded it. Um, I actually think it's opened up a lot more stuff, and I'm really enjoying it. There are a few people who are like, well, now that's going to be harder in the 50s. (laughs) Yeah, but it's pop culture, so it's still things that, like, you should be aware of. Yeah, it's it's like so. I mean, you, you know, stuff of you know, like Bewitched or something. Like you're gonna know what that is. You know what yeah. I mean? I mean, especially and and to be fair, uh, for those questions, like sort of the 50s, 60s, and 70s questions, we try not to deep dive too yeah. far yeah. into that one. It's it, we try to stay very surface level on things that should be relatively common knowledge. Yeah, and and so. it's a fun show. I've I've been on it a, a few times. Um, as we record today, the episode that I went head to head with, I think it was John from uh, Action Action. Yep. Um, it just came out today. By yes, the time you listen, by the time you're listening to this, it'll probably be about a few weeks back. But go check that one out. It's a fun episode, and I had a blast on that one, dude. Yeah, it was a good. I just listened to it. It was a good episode. And you guys do a good job because we do have a lot of uh, uh, Canadian podcasters on our <laughs> network. So you guys do try whenever they're on to to at least try to throw them a, a Canadian bone or two uh, <laughs> here and there. But uh, tri- yeah, go check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. It's fantastic. Obviously, go check out The Blast from Our Past. I, I can't highly recommend that enough as it is so please check that out um and as we said before check out action action check out tim and dean over at talking back of course listen to me and john's brother adam talk about seinfeld on cartwright a seinfeld podcast and uh you know you got us over here on podcasting after dark so this year you're gonna be hearing more uh bfop alumni uh coming in and doing also sorry uh People uh, don't forget. People don't forget. There it is. Yes. Sorry about that. Uh, we do have another show that we just came on as well. And Scott Grimes puts out a fantastic trivia show as well. And it's called People Don't Forget. So check that one out. And uh, any if you if you if you like the sound of, of any of these shows, just swing on to our network website. I have the links for everything is there, and the network website link is in the show notes uh, at the bottom of this. So it's bfopnetwork.com. That's bfopnetwork.com. And as always, we'll catch you on the dark side. Join the Podcasting After Dark Patreon community to unlock exclusive monthly content like cast interviews and a fan feedback show. Plus, you get every regular episode of Podcasting After Dark completely ad-free. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us five stars on Apple Podcasts and by recommending us to your friends. Finally, make sure you follow us on Reddit Instagram, and Facebook for news and updates about future episodes. Just search for Podcasting After Dark.